Christchurch, New Malden, 3rd of January 2021. Stephen Kurt speaking on Building Back Better in 2021. Building Back Better. It's a familiar phrase that has been used in different contexts for quite a while. Most recently, Building Back Better has been used as part of Joe Biden's presidential campaign in America. But the idea stretches back much further. Throughout human history, and particularly when a period of sustained hardship has been endured, and as its end is coming in sight, people have often become very idealistic, dreaming not just of things going back to the way that they were, but the coming of something much better. It's why major political and social changes so often occur after really difficult times. So after the First World War and all of its horrors, there was a great deal of emphasis within Britain on building homes fit for heroes. And after the Second World War, we saw the start of the welfare state, including the National Health Service and major developments in education. And we've seen something very similar during this strange year of 2020, when so much of our lives has been dominated by coronavirus. Particularly in the light of the amazing efforts of those who work in the health service and in care homes, many have started to realise that we really should value such work so much more when this crisis is over, and reflect this perhaps in better pay for those who do this work. And then there's care for the environment. During the first lockdown especially, many people immediately noticed its effect on the reduction of pollution, leading many of us to realise that we simply have to do better in our stewardship of creation once greater normality returns. And within relationships, particularly friendship groups and wider families, many have realised afresh the value of these relationships for their lives and are resolved to give them in future much greater investment than they did before. All examples of the desire, indeed the vision, to build back better when restoration finally occurs. And we see a similar vision within the Bible. The greatest disaster that occurs in the Bible is really the exile. That event in the 6th century BC when the people of Israel were taken away from the land that God had given them. Given that the land was seen as the foremost sign of God's blessing to his people and the assurance of his blessings to come, this was seen as an unmitigated disaster, especially as it involved the destruction of both the temple, symbolising God's presence, and the Davidic line that God had said would rule over Israel forever. An entire book, the Book of Lamentations, is full of poetry lamenting what had happened. And earlier in the pandemic, in one of the very first talks that I did in our online services, I used that book of Lamentations to talk about the importance of bringing our grief and our desolation before God. But there is another response to the exile within the Bible that is equally important for us to engage with, and that is the visions of restoration that we find within it. We tend to most associate the Old Testament prophets with stern warnings about God's judgment, don't we? But once the disaster of exile had fulfilled those warnings, they also spoke about a future time when God would reverse this disaster. And this Sunday, the first in 2021, 
we're going to think about one of those visions of restoration, that contained in Isaiah chapter 40, and see what it might have to say to us about building back better once our exile, because of coronavirus, is over. And Isaiah 40 is basically a vision that's all about God's presence being restored amongst his people. It begins with the prophet being commanded to comfort God's people in exile and to speak tenderly to them, proclaiming that their hard service had been completed and their sins paid for. But this is just the prelude to the announcement of God himself returning to his people, an announcement appropriately made by a voice calling out in the desert. And it's described in very dramatic imagery. God's return will be revealed, the prophet says, in a manner where his glory is acknowledged by the creation itself, with valleys raised up and mountains and hills made low, rough ground becoming level and the rugged places a plain. But it won't just be, according to the prophet, creation that acknowledges God's glory. The prophet is summoned to announce that all human glory be recognised as nothing in comparison to God's. All men are like grass, and all their glory like the flowers of the field, he's told to declare. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. But he's also clear that for those who belong to him, God's return will bring their rescue and their care. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. And it's a reminder to us about the things that really count when we're thinking about our own restoration. The prophet could have spoken about the people's physical return to Israel from Babylon and how amazing that would be. But instead, the focus is on God as he speaks about God's return to Zion, God's glory, and the way that acknowledging this glory as something that puts all human glory in the shade is the path to receiving God's reward and his shepherd-like love. And the same thing needs to be at the basis of the vision for our return from exile as well. A desire to build back better when Christchurch is re-established through God's presence and God's glory being placed at the centre with everything else below this. Now this is far from easy, but it's also vital because it's personal agendas and the desire for human glory that more than anything else tends to blight the lives of churches and blunts our ministry and mission. In fact, it could be argued that it's these very things that have resulted in an exile for the church that's more significant than the one caused by COVID, an exile of increasing irrelevance to the world around us, the world that we're meant to be here to serve. The same thing happened within Israel, and for essentially the same reasons, because starting in Israel's heyday of David and Solomon, human glory started to become more important than God's, starting the chain of events that eventually resulted in her exile. And of course, reversing all of this is much easier said than done. Because things like seeking personal glory and personal standing are usually caused by unresolved hurt and pain. 
But this is where placing the priority on God's presence and God's glory being re-established isn't just right, but it's something that will bring the healing of those things as well. The healing of that hurt and pain. Place our priority upon the re-establishment of God's glory, and precisely because he is the creator and the sole source of life, we will then see more of his life-giving healing occurring, helping us both as individuals and crucially as a church, as we then become far more effective in displaying and holding out God's healing presence to the people in this town of New Malden that we're called to serve it's all about placing the worship of God and the establishment of his glory at the centre and then seeing everything else flow out from this. And part of what will happen when we do this is our realisation that the things that we fear and the things that then drive our worst behaviour are also nothing in comparison to God. Spend more time with God in worship, as this passage does, recognising God as the creator of all things. And just as the prophet presents the mighty pagan nations surrounding Israel as a drop in the bucket, as worthless and less than nothing, so we'll learn to see the things that we fear in a similar light. And it's that very same worship, the passage says, that will help us also to see the folly of idolatry of our constant tendency to put created things at the centre of our life instead of God. It is this everlasting God, this creator of the ends of the earth, the passage ends by saying, who alone can and will renew the strength of those whose hope is in him. They will soar on wings like eagles, he says. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So that is the vision set out in Isaiah 40 for the Israelites' return from exile and how it might also be speaking to us at Christchurch as we prepare for our equivalent return at some point, hopefully, during this year of 2021. This is the vision that we need to be praying that God will establish when this time of our hard service finally comes to an end. But it won't necessarily happen. There is, of course, the danger that we'll just return as we were before, or even worse. Because another perspective on the return from exile in the Bible are the accounts of what the reality turned out to be like in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. And although there's a certain amount of triumph in those accounts, the story that they present was something of an anticlimax, because whilst the people did return and both the temple and Jerusalem were eventually rebuilt, God's glory didn't return in the way envisaged by Isaiah, with the continuation of the people's sin and their oppression by the surrounding nations. It turned out that the fulfilment of that vision in Isaiah 40 and prophecies like it still lay in the future, starting to be fulfilled in the coming of Jesus that we've just celebrated at Christmas. That's why the Gospels use the start of Isaiah 40 and a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, when they introduce us to John the Baptist, who prepared the way for Jesus. But even then, even after the ministry of Jesus, the fulfilment of this vision is still awaited in that future described in our second passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 
the day when Jesus returns, when the dead are raised, and God's victory is made complete. So if the fulfilment of Isaiah 40 and prophecies like it still lay in the far future, why was this vision given to the people of Israel before their return from exile? Wasn't it a bit cruel to raise their expectations in this way? Well, no, because such visions of God's future restoration are absolutely vital for guiding and shaping the ways in which we're called to live by faith in him. Those who returned from exile in the 6th century BC were being called by the vision in Isaiah 40 to anticipate as much as they could this vision of God's ultimate redemption in the way that they lived and to return to trying to do this when they inevitably failed. And it's the same with us now as these visions of God's ultimate restoration in both the Old and the New Testament are meant similarly to shape and direct how we live by faith, especially as we prepare at some point in 2021 to relaunch Christchurch New Morden and start again. Over the coming weeks, we're going to be building on this theme, thinking of all sorts of ways in which God might be calling us to build back better as a church. But at the basis of all of these talks will be the vision of the ultimate restoration that God has given to us and are seeking to anticipate that in numerous different ways. This is where the very last verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul's great chapter on the resurrection of God's people and his future restoration of the world is so significant. Because it's all about the action that this vision should inspire us to in the present. Having spent 57 verses on the Christian hope in 1 Corinthians 15, we might have expected Paul to finish this chapter by saying something like this. So what a wonderful hope you have to look forward to. Be secure and happy in that hope. But he doesn't. Instead, Paul uses these words which combine the security that God wants us to have from the promise of his restoration with the agenda to build for the kingdom that God will one day make complete. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, Paul says, stand firm, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. The certainty of God's coming restoration, in other words, and its nature, is precisely what should motivate as well as shape and direct all of our efforts to live for him in the present. And that's how this vision of God's promised restoration in both Isaiah 40, in 1 Corinthians 15 and other similar passages can shape and direct us as we look forward to the end of our exile and how we can build back better at Christchurch New Morden in 2021 and beyond.